Hello everyone, Chris Milburn here and welcome to the latest Paradox podcast from September 2nd, 2022. Before I get started, I wanted to plug our upcoming Free Speech in Medicine conference. You can find all the details at freespeechinmedicine.com. We have some great speakers, including Francis Christian, a physician from Saskatchewan who was ousted for daring to um, suggest that we shouldn't force vaccinate children. We have Martha Fulford, a pediatric, pediatric infectious disease specialist from Hamilton, Ontario, who's been uh, very outspoken on real, real science uh, in the midst of a lot of COVID hysteria. We have Sean Watley, who's a former head of the OMA and um, a great writer. You can check him out at seanwatley.com. We have Bruce Party, who's a well-known lawyer and a professor at Queen's University, and I would call him one of the foremost experts on uh, personal liberties in Canadian law. Stanley Goldfarb is the head of a new organization in the U.S. called DoNoHarmMedicine.org, which is fighting back against the woke trends in medicine. Uh, Trish Wood will be known to many of you from the Trish Wood is Critical podcast. And finally, Jay Bhattacharya is, uh, he really needs no introduction, Stanford professor and one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. So we're very excited about the lineup. The conference will be held in beautiful Bedeck, Cape Breton, which is in central Cape Breton on the Bredore Lakes. It's well worth coming to anyway. And with this lineup, hey, it's a no-brainer. So please come along. Check everything out at freespeechinmedicine.com and we hope you uh, sign up and hope to meet you in person. Shake your hand, hug, and do all those things that we used to do before COVID. Today, I was very happy to speak to James Top. James is a busy man these days. You'll hear why. And he was kind enough to take a little time out of his schedule this evening to chat with me. James will likely need no introduction to many of you who may be familiar with him already but I will give a brief introduction. James Topp has been a member of the Canadian Armed Forces for nearly 30 years. He's served his country honorably here in Canada and in combat overseas. Like many of us, he started to feel COVID policy creating and accelerating authoritarianism. When federal government employees and those in the military were mandated to take an experimental vaccine or lose their jobs, he broke rank. Eventually, inspired by the trucker rallies in Ottawa and realizing he was not alone, he decided to march across the country to bring attention to the need for liberty and individual choice. His initiative, CanadaMarches.ca, is crowdfunded and is well worth you supporting. During his march, he has had the support of tens of thousands of Canadians who have come out to march with him, shake his hand, come to his events, or just follow him online. I got to shake hands briefly with James in Alds Cove, just across the causeway from my homeland of Cape Breton. And then he was kind enough to take time out to speak with me tonight. James connected from an RV and a campground just outside of Moncton. I've had to edit out some bits where the internet connection was sketchy. Hopefully everything will come together. After recording, James wanted me to pass on that he feels people need to learn to look beyond the superficial story in the mainstream media. Scott Adams of Dilbert fame has talked about how the two ends of the political spectrum are watching two different movies. We live in an, our own media bubbles. Global News, who James is suing, and their ilk would have you think that James is a radical right-wing white supremacist bent on violently overthrowing the government. I found him to be a soft-spoken, decent, moral human being 
who is concerned about the erosion of civil liberties and the rise of authoritarianism here in Canada and elsewhere. This is like so many other military members and veterans who have seen firsthand that the veneer of civilization is thin. They know where this trend can lead. In 1984, Sarajevo was a peaceful appearing, beautiful city that hosted the Winter Olympics. In 1992, it was in the heart of a civil war with brother killing brother. Soldiers know how fragile peace and stability is. A sincere thank you to James for taking a stand at a great personal cost, measured in time, money, as well as his mental and physical effort. I hope that you will support his efforts either by marching with him or by contributing to his march. James, thanks a lot for, for taking the time. You're a busy lad. I, I gather you're saying I'm reaching you just, you're just past Moncton. That's right. Yeah. Firstly, let's just start with maybe tell me where you're from and who you are and yeah. And how you started out on this journey. Absolutely. Um, I am, I was born in Ontario actually. And uh, my folks moved out to BC when I was a kid. Um, you know, so I consider myself kind of uh, a native of uh, British Columbia. We lived in the lower mainland for the most part in the uh, suburbs around uh, Vancouver. I also spent some time growing up in Victoria and in various small towns such as Kitimat and other Bay in BC. Joined the Army as a young person in the 90s, uh, spent 28 years in the armed forces, uh, been posted uh, primarily in uh, Petawawa in Ontario. Um, However, I just spent some time in Trenton and uh, Ontario, Kingston. I was also put through the Victoria, BC when there was still a battalion there. So um, I have uh, had extensive uh, kind of uh, experience within the armed forces, both domestically and abroad. I was overseas in uh, Bosnia, Croatia, Macedonia, and Afghanistan, multiple tours in Afghanistan and, um, uh, and, and Croatia. Uh, around, I, I got to a point in my career after about 28 years of uh, regular fourth service full time, um, I realized it was time for me to go and uh, try something a little bit different, which is what I did. I transitioned from the reserve, sorry, from the regular army to the reserve force, which is something you can do. Um, and a lot of guys do They component transfer, uh, what it's called. So you still have your foot in the door. So you basically go mm -hmm. from full time to part time service. That does make you eligible to uh, to pursue a pension. So I was doing that. I got a job with the public service. Uh, I ended up moving out to Hope, British Columbia, where I still have my home, uh, even though I haven't been back there for uh, almost seven months. I started this for me. This all, uh, you know, after after two years of uh, being traumatized, starting in twenty twenty, um, which is when I I got to. Um, when I actually decided to move back out to British Columbia, we had the implementation of various mandates. Um, and then there's an announcement that you would require a vaccination to travel. And then that transitioned into a, a requirement for all federal government employees to have a, a vaccination or prove they were vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And um, I disagreed with the policy because I had some serious concerns about the uh, the product itself, but more so my concern was with the with this type of uh, authoritarian kind of government overreach, which I felt was 
um, not something that was appropriate, mm -hmm. uh, given what I knew about the uh, what I knew about this thing called COVID. Um, so maybe what we can do for the purposes of our conversation is we'll focus away from the medical side of the concerns and the actual scientific concerns, which, you know, I certainly um, have many myself and, and people who know me are aware of that. But, but I want to talk to you more about the, you, you said, you know, part of your concern was the authoritarian nature of the the mandates. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point us in that direction and ask you, it seems to me, in my experience, having met a number of veterans and, and active service members that they maybe have more concern than the average Canadian about the government overreach and the authoritarianism and the kind of the anti-democratic nature of, of mandates. Do you think that's true in your experience? Do you think uh, military folks are more concerned than the average Canadian? Yeah, absolutely. Because we've seen it, you know, we've been in, in, in countries that, you know, this is what we went there for to push back on this type of, uh, uh, repression of the of you know the the citizens of any given countries that we've been sent to. Um, more to the point that I think we recognize uh, where this is going. So for me, I would say the biggest issue I had with this, knowing what our federal government is capable of and seeing the bureaucratic uh, process all of my adult life in the armed forces, where I saw this going was. It was never going to stop. You would need three shots and then four. And then how long, you know, and, and furthermore, it wasn't just, you know, go out and get the vaccine. Now you had to provide like an affidavit declaring that you actually had, you know, received the product. I mean, how much longer was it going to be before you're being asked to do, uh, uh, you know, provide, you know, loyalty um, um, statements and, and uh, you're not allowed to watch this or participate in this form of democratic process and you're only allowed to vote for this person like i'm i'm you know not trying to inadvertently demonstrate to people that i'm like a a uh, paranoid or a conspiracy person but this mm -hmm. is just something that i think we've seen happen in history mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i felt that you know it was this after all this time you know you're looking at two years uh, so I had, at that point, been employed by two different uh, government agencies, and in both agencies I had been uh, placed on leave without pay in one, and then what hurt the most was the fact that I was being told I would, uh, after trade process, be released from the armed forces on what's called a 5F. So a 5F is one of the reasons why we continue to march. This is the release item code so it's bureaucratic speak you're you are basically unsuitable for further service is what it's called okay so, so does that affect uh, your does that affect your pension or anything like that or yeah absolutely i mean for me personally it doesn't because i'm already receiving my pension but you're talking about not hundreds if not a, a couple of thousand armed forces members now uh took this 5f or had to take it because the exemptions were being denied um you're talking about uh you know folks who have been in some of the guys have been in for you know 18 19 years and just shy of the pensionable time 
and they uh, were told that they were not allowed to stay in to complete their pensionable time. And then they're and then you're released. So this follows you. This stays on your service record. Ordinarily, uh, you could get out on what's called uh, something like a 4C mm -hmm. for Charlie, and that enables you to re-enroll at a later time. This is not applicable in a 5A. Okay. So you can't get back in. So this is, it, for all intents and purposes, it's a dishonorable discharge. Uh, I took it, you know, quite personally. And, um, you know, I wasn't always uh, a model soldier, but I spent about 20 years, um, you know, doing the good uh, work, uh, following uh, orders and going on missions overseas and, and um, doing everything I could to be a good soldier. Mm. And this was, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, a slap in the face. So those two things happened uh, in November. Uh, I, I experienced a personal, uh, a significant amount of personal suffering, um, psychologically speaking. Come January, I saw protests in uh, Ottawa, and and then that kind of encouraged me. You know, it kind of, yeah, I, I felt I wasn't alone. I saw the truckers movement and the freedom convoy, mm -hmm. and it finally felt like you know somebody was standing up for for people like me. And it was it was the Canadian public after all this time that had done that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I felt kind of like, you know, I wasn't alone. I felt inspired. I felt um, somebody was finally standing up, uh, pushing back on this stuff. Then we had, you know, the vilification campaign going on, the authoritarian, again, heavy-handed response, as opposed mm -hmm. to... Um, some kind of effort to have a conversation we just had the you know our federal government my federal government yours you know engaging in heavy-handed uh, police state tactics that i don't i think anybody ever expected to see in this country mm -hmm. um i decided that was about time i was going to do my own sort of protest um and uh, you know, I had been influenced by people like Terry Fox, and I don't want to compare myself to the gentleman, but I was a little kid when he was doing the business. Um, going across Canada, I had been, I, I had heard of other people doing protest march, and I thought, okay, well, this is, this will be my thing. You know, this is what I'll do. I spent my adult life in armed forces and the infantry specifically. This is what we did. Mm -hmm. of, uh, carrying a pack through the woods, uh, marching. Uh, I, I was quite confident in my ability to do this. And um, on February the 12th, I went out, uh, found a rally to go to, went out in my uniform, and I made a statement about my dismay about these policies. And then I, I, I made a statement about what I was going to do about it. And I, I issued a statement saying I'm going to protest march. And that started uh, uh, eight days later on February the twentieth. Right on. And you were when you when you said it, you, obviously you were pretty serious because you've been on the go since. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And a lot of folks asked me why I felt I was, you know, I should do something like that in uniform. There's a couple of reasons. Um, I knew I needed to get some traction, and I also felt that it was important for people to see somebody in uniform. Um, you know, standing up against these these tactics, this authoritarian kind of overreach, and uh, you know, I myself, um, you know, probably 
it has within the armed forces community it, it's looked at with um uh, there's a there's a divide there about people you know there's people who felt that i shouldn't have worn it people who felt that it was okay mm -hmm. personally i felt it was something that i needed to do as a demonstration of you know at least one person in one of these organizations of the federal government saying enough is enough like you can't you know just we're public servants but we're not servants so this is what i kind of mm -hmm. felt and, uh, mm -hmm. I did. yeah well servants servants but not slaves exactly yeah so i uh, just to kind of i guess to transition to something a little more positive you've you've gotten quite a response um has that been true everywhere you've been is was there any place that was disappointing or have you gotten pretty good support wherever you've gone yeah yeah no it's been it's been a pretty pretty good response like i mean on the ground um speaking to the support i've been getting from Canadians like from one coast to the other now I can say that um, it has been overwhelmingly positive um, you know they have demonstrated uh, their open open heart uh, generosity uh, this was you know a, a, apart from an initial outlay of cash to get this thing started uh, you know uh, crowdfunded um, you know folks have been generous to help us keep this going I have safety vehicles and the support vehicle uh, there's groceries that need to be bought. So, I mean, it has been support, has been what's been keeping us going, and the encouragement, which is more important, mm -hmm. has been overwhelmingly positive. The other is um, with, you know, our, our corporate media um, functions as the information arm of the federal government now, by the looks of it. Um, so when I started, I didn't get much attention. Then when I started to get closer to Ottawa, I got some attention, but it was it was the wrong kind. It was mostly the articles were derogatory in nature, or sidestepped the real issue. Um, you know, the fact that I got a meeting with members of parliament, I don't think that has ever been done in that way. But again, it wasn't like good for you for for marching and writing MPs and having the team help you maintain communications. It was why did you meet with only conservatives? And the conservatives are are you know betraying the country by speaking with a freedom convoy organizer which was completely misinformed and mischaracterized right and were you I, i'm assuming you were not unwilling to meet with liberals had they offered yeah i i i want to yeah and make sure everybody understands this like this 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 letter that i wrote because people kept asking me okay so what's what are you going to do when you get to ottawa you know i came to the realization that i had to make this be about something it couldn't just be uh okay i'm protest marching and uh, i wanted to you know speak on my own behalf but make sure that you know our members of parliament our public officials realization about the damage that has been done here like i mean i remember in and around november december uh in this state of turmoil and i was thinking you know there's there's just no way they understand what what suffering they have caused here you know, not just with me, but with everybody who got lost their job or was treated badly or, or you know what I mean, discriminated against. And uh, this was what it was about. It was it was making that speaking on the behalf of everybody who decided to stand up against this. 
I had to have an audience and who else was I wasn't going to be able to appeal to the public service. They were the ones mandating this. I wasn't going to be able to appeal to my chain of command forces. So I went uh, to the, the representatives who are supposed to speak on our behalf in the House of Commons. And I reached out to all of them from the Privy Council to the backbench. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have talked to any any member. Right on. So you're not you're not excluded. You weren't trying to exclude anyone. They they yeah, exactly. decided to exclude you. Plans plans from here on in. You're in Moncton. Where's the path take you next? You're heading west at this point. That's right. So we continue to, uh, as um, you may or may not be aware, a number of federal government workers were invited back on uh, June the twentieth. Um, however, what we took to Ottawa and the conversation that we had was was something called the three R uh, equation. Uh, so this was us going into a meeting saying, here's the problem, please recognizing it, please recognize it, and here's the potential solution. So repeal the mandates, reinstate employees, and ransom restitution for the half a year's pay that, you know, and uh, this will equal repair in the minds of uh, a significant section of the Canadian public. So mm -hmm. we're calling it three R's equal R. Mm -hmm. uh, to us, we made the, we made the uh, judgment that that had not been achieved as of you know June the thirtieth when I marched into Ottawa. Um, so we continue to march towards those goals. Uh, you know, full repealing of mandates, uh, as you know, most of them or or probably um, you're you're one of the people speaking to this that a lot of them are doing more harm than good, mm -hmm. and. Um, the, the reinstatement of all federal government employees must continue along with those in the armed forces because there are still hundreds and if not thousands of members faced with this 5F release uh, or they've just taken voluntary release to to avoid the, uh, the, the administrative review process. You're, you're talking about an organization that is taxpayer-funded. We're talking about our armed forces. Those members individually and their families are suffering, it's continue to suffer. And the organization as a whole, I think, has been um, severely impacted. And so this is mm -hmm. why this continues. We intend to keep reaching out, keep having um, a dialogue with our members of parliament, with senators, uh, with the Department of National Defense Ombudsman to to put you know some solutions on the table, um, bring aware, raise awareness of the issue to the Canadian public. And we're hoping to get another meeting again going on with uh, with either a group of uh, parliamentarians or, or you know the unofficial, such as the such as the D and D ombudsman, mm -hmm. and uh, work towards a solution here. Like at least let's have a conversation. Right on. So uh, you will this end in Ottawa? Is that the final destination? If we are in? invited, if we are invited to Ottawa, then it will end there. That's what mm -hmm. I would like to see happen. I would like to see this time around have our officials invite us. Mm -hmm. We had to invite them mm -hmm. the first time around. Right. So demonstrate to the Canadian people that you want some, you know, you you care about them. You care about uh, having them engaged uh, as voters. Um, you're you're considerate of them as citizens and taxpayers. Uh, reach out to us and have us come to Ottawa. And if not, then we'll go to Toronto. And then we will reach out to people, to the Canadian public in Ottawa and help us leverage a meeting. Yeah. And we hope to do so. And if, if they're not going to invite us in, into Ottawa, we'll, we'll have a conversation with them in Toronto and hopefully 
we will enlist the aid of uh, our national broadcaster, the CBC, through our campaign that we're trying to get going to have real Canadian people who have been impacted um, speak nationally on our national broadcaster because I don't think uh, they're necessarily doing their jobs in all of this. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, as many of us believe these days, it's unfortunate. All right, James, I, I don't want to keep you any longer because I know you got more to do tonight. Um, maybe I'll just ask you to tell us uh, if people want to support you, where do they go online? And if people want to meet you uh, in person, where's your approximate schedule taking you? Say we're, we're uh, the 2nd of September today as we're talking and where are you going to be over the next, say, week or so? Yeah, I, well, we are continuing the journey east. Oh, sorry, West. Um, you can follow our progress at canadamarches.ca. Um, there is a GPS live link there. When we march, we march typically five days and rest for one. We're going to be in Ontario, I'm thinking probably about mid-October, uh, or not early October. Um, you can also track us on our social media presence, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so forth. We we regularly post our uh, meet and greets, like the ones we're having tonight, uh, on our website, on our social media platforms. Typically, we try to have one, you know, every two or three days uh, when we get to a fairly large population center. And again, if people want to support, this is crowdfunded. Um, with regards to the latest kind of um, global news article about about me. Uh, we are going to launch a, uh, a defamation litigation uh, um, case against Global News. So we're going to crowdfund for that. And if they, if anybody wants to be a part of that, we're going to have a, a, a crowdfunding link. You know, the, the, the thing is, this isn't about us generating funds. This is about us raising awareness about the issues being faced by our federal government employees, by the public service. Police mm -hmm. officers, ambulance drivers, crew, firefighters, mm -hmm. everybody who stood up against this was subsequently negatively impacted. Nurses who lost their jobs, corporate mm -hmm. sector types who lost their jobs. This is all about raising awareness because a lot of folk who just, you know, kind of didn't understand that there was a problem here, they never really, you know, experienced any, any disruptions. And, um, it's unfortunate, but this is about us raising that awareness. You can come to one of our meet and greets, um, support us in in reaching out to your member of parliament, trying to explain to them the nature of your particular issue. And, you know, if you wish, you can kind of um, speak to them and ask them to reach out to me as well. Okay, well, listen, uh, I really appreciate you spending the time um, and I really appreciate what you're doing. So, uh, you know, from from the heart, the deep thank you for my wife and I, and uh, I'm sure from, I speak for people who will be listening to this as well. So thanks very much. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show and uh, having the ability to uh, get the word out. 